0: Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified.
1: Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. Not how we wanted to have the hundredth episode of the Brad Show, but I guess it's it's uh, it's good in the sense that we are able to honor a great man, and that great man was Nick Cafardo. Uh, we are going to go around the horn here with some people who knew him best, and that's Sean McAdam, Jimmy Golan, Ian Brown, and you know, guys. I just start with the fact I know that a lot of people are, are going through. Their memories of Nick and, and their, the originations of their relationships. I'll just start with this. I'm going to say the other day, I watched him interview Steve Pierce. And when I'm watching him interview Steve Pierce, I'm thinking, man, like that is pure Nick. Like how he's getting Steve Pierce to engage how he's getting great answers from him. I'm looking at him from across the clubhouse, how he had that conversational way about him. I talked to a manager uh, last night, and he said, you know, Nick was just great about massaging information out of you, right? And I thought that was such a great way to say it. But that was my last image of Nick as a professional, and I think it was just so perfect. But you guys, you know, I'll just let you go about, you know, where you you're, if you want to have your stories, if you want to have your memories, if you want to... Anything you want to do, Nick Cafardo? that's fine with me. Sean?
2: Uh, Thanks, Rob. Um, It's an honor to to, – well, it it was an honor to be a a good friend of Nick's uh, for a long time. Uh, uh, For the 31 years that I've covered the Red Sox, Nick was there for all but a handful uh, except for the stretch where uh, he went to the Patriots beat um, and – uh you know we uh, like all of us we we spent uh an incredible amount of time um together uh the, the cliche that you hear from uh ball players and people in the game is uh you know we spend more time uh with our coworkers sometimes than our actual family and that was true of uh me and Nick because uh you know, it's a long season from spring training through the postseason, and you're sharing cabs and flights and and uh, in the same hotels and in the same press box and having dinner together. And, uh, you know, I will I guess what I'll remember, two things about Nick. Uh, one was his work ethic, and the other was his humanity. Um, you know, he seldom took a day off. He was here for all of spring training. Didn't leave, didn't go home, uh, and did the vast, vast majority of the 162 games. He seemed tireless at times. Uh, he may have been 62, um, but um, it, it was not anything that uh, that slowed him down. He still had the same appetite for the job and the same love for the game as I as he did when I met him better than 30 years ago. I remember one of the first road trips I ever took uh, back in 1989. Uh, Nick had been on the beat for a few years. He was still working for the Patriot Ledger at the time. Uh, I knew him a little bit socially, but not a whole lot. And um, as many who just start on the beat were, I was green, naive, didn't know what the hell I was doing. And one day in Chicago in the press box at the old Comiskey Park, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, step into my office. And I went into the back of the press box and he tipped me off about something that was going on, I think with oil can Boyd, if you can imagine that something going on with oil can Boyd (laughs) um, and said uh, that oil can was going to be suspended or taken out of the rotation or going home or something. And it was a small act of kindness that I uh, that I never forgot. It was certainly something that uh, doesn't happen often here, where you share information of a story that you have by yourself with some newcomer who didn't even know what was going on at the time. And to me, that was a huge window into, into who Nick was. He was not about, uh, uh, you know, uh, having the story by himself all the time he was uh, totally selfless and he was looking out for somebody who didn't know any better in his first weeks on the job and um you know that was uh one of my first remembrances of nick but it remains one of my last and uh and I just know the the pride that he uh, uh, took in his uh, family and his children. Uh, you know the the glow he had when he spoke about his grandchildren. He and I were talking recently. My daughter's expecting my first grandchild in a few weeks, and uh, Nick was telling me how much I was going to love being a grandparent. And, you know, the, the, the really sad thing is here, as Steve Buckley and I had dinner last night, and uh, Buck at one point said, you know, Nick should have had 20 more years with his grandkids. And it's um, it's just a shame that, that that's not the case. Um, we, uh, we will miss Nick greatly, um, and so will readers. Uh, he was a constant... Unyielding, steadying force on the beat, and um, it was my privilege to be his colleague and good friend. Thanks so
1: much, Sean. And you know, it's there's so many things that we we are talking about, Nick. And in, in a second, Jimmy Golden, the Associated Press, um, is here as well. He's known Nick forever. But you you talk about going to dinner with Buck last night. And and I think when we went to dinner, when all we had dinner last night, we're looking at Twitter, we're looking at social media. It was incredible. It was insane how, number one, the amount of people throughout the world, throughout baseball the world, uh, were reacting and reflecting, but also how consistent the theme was, which was the nicest guy, The guy who had no enemies. The guy, as you said, Sean, will do anything for anybody. I mean, that's pretty
2: cool. Yeah, you know, and that's a great legacy to have, Rob. Uh, You know, we can all uh, take pride in our work and and uh, and hope to break stories and have things exclusively. um, But in the end, that's not how you're judged or remembered. Your legacy is who you are as a human being. And and uh, you know, I got a text from somebody in the industry. Uh, this morning, uh, that just said, "What an outpouring!" Uh, that's all the that's all the, the 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 text message said. I knew exactly what he meant. I knew exactly what he was referring to, and I sent a quick message back. I said, "Not surprising. There was no one who didn't like Nick Cafardo. Uh, he was truly a, a man without." never mind enemies, even people who just, you know, didn't like him, that those people didn't exist. Uh, You may not have known him as well as some of us did. uh, But the the respect that uh, people had for him was universal. And so was the respect for him as a person, and his, you know, his unique brand of, of kindness and selflessness.
1: All right, Jimmy. Jimmy Golan, you've known him for a long, long time. I'm glad you're here because you, you're you one of the people. I know that when I first started to get to know Nick, that was around you know mid-'90s, and you were around a lot. Uh, so uh, it's, it's tough that you are here in spring training, but I guess uh, it's good that you're here to reflect on some of your memories.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just want to follow up with what Sean said, which is you know, I, and this won't come as a surprise to People who are listening to this, but a lot of sports writers are assholes, and um, you know, there's a lot of backstabbing and people talking about each other in the press box. And uh, you know, Nick was. Th- there's nobody who didn't like Nick, and um, uh, you know, the stories. You know, when someone dies, you hear outpouring of of you know nice comments and affection for them, but it's it's all really genuine in this case because. There's just there's just no way you could not like him. He was he was friendly and you and you hear stories from uh, young people on the beat. I started I think the same year as you, Rob, in 1995, and you know Nick was you know kind of you know took everyone under their wing under his wing and, and helped them out and things like that. And you know whether it's in the clubhouse pointing pointing you to a player who might be good for a story or uh, you know just you know having dinner when you're down there for the first time and, and you don't know what's going on. Um, but uh, he he he. Uh, sorry. He he just. It, uh, I don't know. It, it's just impossible not to like him, and I think that's why he was such a great reporter too. Is because when players talked to him, it wasn't like you know you were digging he was digging for dirt or he was you know trying to cause trouble or anything like that he would just you know chat with them and and, and eventually he would come away with the story and you know back back when I started and and um, you know the the Globe and the Herald would would uh, fly down their hard copies of their newspaper to newspaper boxes outside the ballpark and the only way, you would know if someone had something that you didn't have. Is put you would, Yeah, <laughs> you would go buy the, put your quarter in the machine, a quarter probably, and, and buy the paper and say, oh, you know, Nick had this, and I now have to spend my day chasing something Nick had, and there was always something because he was always, uh, you know, he was always on top of the story. And, and I think it, those two things are related, that because he was just such a genuine, nice guy. The players took to him, his colleagues took to him, and the readers obviously have taken to him as we've seen, you know, the past day.
1: Thanks, Jimmy. Ian, Ian Brown, you've been around him a long time as well. I mean, a guy who's probably covering the team in many days in the last decade and a half than anybody. And, and as we point out, Nick is a guy who was always around, including yesterday when he didn't have to be around because he loved being at the ballpark and he loved being here. So, uh, so Ian, just some of your uh, thoughts on Nick.
4: Yeah, it's actually kind of unique uh, how I first came to know of Nick. My very first job was as a paperboy delivering the Patriot Ledger. Uh, I was about 12 years old, and when I was walking down this mile street delivering these papers, I would open one of them up and flip open the sports page, and Nick was the uh, the Red Sox beat writer at the time and just would read him every day. And so I kind of felt like I knew him, uh, even though I didn't, uh, loved his work, and that was kind of when I started to kind of want to become a sports writer, just kind of reading reading him and reading the guys in the Globe and everything. And then um, in 92, I moved a little bit above uh, paperboy status and I got a co-op at the Boston Globe. Um, I, w- I was a student at Northeastern at the time, uh, what we call Nighthawk, uh, Coffee Boy pretty low on the totem pole there but you know you'd see some of the writers in the office and Nick was there quite a bit and couldn't have been uh, any nicer and that kind of struck me at the time was you know a lot of the people just don't really talk to like the uh, interns much at all but Nick was was super friendly like he treated you like almost like a peer and then uh you know 10 years later when I started covering the Red Sox just to be able to be around him all the time And just to see what kind of guy he was. And he was there all the time. Like, I can't remember more than, like, uh, you know, I took days off, but I can't remember more than four or five days when I covered the Red Sox when Nick wasn't there. He was always there. And his uh, demeanor never changed. Like, I literally can't remember him ever, like, raising his voice. You know? Like, he's just just so low-key and smooth and, like, sure of himself and sure of what he was doing. But... Uh, I remember early on in my time covering the Red Sox, you know, you know, he just came up to me one time and he said, "Oh, just, just, so you know, you you do a great job." And like I was kind of blown away by that. Um, it really meant a lot that he kind of took the time to do that. Um, you know, it was kind of s- strangely fitting, you know, that yesterday was his day off because, you know, it, this is this is where he was going to be when it finally happened for him because this is where he always was. You know, aside from when he was with his family, his grandkids. His kids his wife uh you know this is where he was was at the ballpark and we'd be on a super long road trip uh you know most of us would probably take the first day off after the trip and you'd get there nick he might look a little tired but he'd be sitting like you know outside the cafeteria there where he always liked to sit on the couch out there he'd just be talking and watching the game on tv and talking to steve and he just loved so much you know being around fenway and um I was I was thinking last night it was gonna be it was gonna to be tough to come here today just knowing that he wasn't gonna be here but at
0: the mm-hmm. same time mm-hmm. you're like
4: well you have to go because this is where he wanted to be and this is how you're honoring him by just you keep coming to the ballpark every day because that was what he did and he set such a great example and uh, you know you hear a lot of you hear talk about a lot of players are this or that Nick liked like all these guys like dating back to when he covered the Patriots like Terry Glenn was a guy that uh, you know nobody liked Nick was like oh gr- great guy you know <laughs> Jose, Jose Canseco great guy <laughs> it's just like Nick kind of saw <laughs> <laughs> like Nick, yeah it's like Nick kind of saw uh, the good in, in everybody and just could because people everybody was nice to him and that was uh, I thought that was a cool thing but uh, yeah it's gonna it's going to be strange around here for a long time without him
1: well, I, I'll, thanks all to all you guys, and I'll just finish off with you know I said you know I began with my last image of him, Nick, working. I'll go back to a lot of uh, my first experience with him, and it was bizarre. It was it was it was sort of embarrassing, which was he was doing the Tom Glavin book, and I asked to transcribe his tapes, and the reason like the reason I wanted to do that was because. Number one, I wanted to sort of get to know like how the process worked, but also I thought it was cool to do something for Nick Cafardo. I mean, I thought it was cool to do for something for this guy. That, like Ian was saying, you sort of you seen from afar, and um, and he was so nice and so genuine and and treated me so well, and that was sort of the jumping off point. And I think a, a common theme throughout was that he treated everybody. It didn't matter who you were. He treated everybody like you were somebody. And I was doing freelance stories throughout the 90s and he took great interest in that and he, and he treated me like anybody else. And, and this was, and I'll never forget it. And, and also, it's funny, and you said the, the demeanor. I think that's a big part of this too. The demeanor is so incredible. His demeanor is so incredible considering our industry and how many times that we want to blow off the handle. And he never, ever did. It was it was just such a it was just such a microcosm of of what a great guy he was and and how he just stayed stayed true to being Nick Afaro the entire time. Well, guys, I really pre- I know it's a tough day, but I really appreciate you taking some time and uh, and um, and thanks for all your thoughts on Nick.
0: Keep your car looking its absolute best year round with 303 cleaners and protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine... Web browser, one click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with a push of a button. DuckDuckGo, Privacy Simplified. We all remember that one professor, the one everyone on campus had to take no matter what subject they taught because how much fun their class was. What if we told you there was a streaming service that had all those professors? One Day University has every must-have professor from the best colleges all across the country. One Day University, the most fun talks from the most fun professors. Available live and on demand. No homework, just the most fun you'll have while learning. Get a special offer at onedayu.com slash odyssey.